It's the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min and we are live. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. I have no idea uh, why my camera is freezing for those of you watching us uh, via YouTube, but I do apologise. Hopefully it will rectify itself as the stream goes on. Um, Big hello to everybody listening to us via the audio platforms as well. Hope you guys are all good and basically... Welcome to the show. I'm going to ask you guys, if you haven't done so already, to subscribe to the channel so we can get that out of the way. You won't hear me say it again. You might hear me say a couple of times, though, during the podcast that if you are watching us via YouTube to hit that like button because it really, really does help. We're going to be discussing a number of different things um, throughout this edition of the podcast. We're going to be talking about Hector Bellerin. Arsenal have set an asking price for the Spanish fullback. We're going to be talking a little bit more about Granite Xhaka's, what we believe to be, imminent departure. We're also going to be talking a little bit about Arsenal's wider situation in terms of what we can and can't do during this transfer window. And of course, as always, we're going to round off the show by taking some of you guys' questions. Um, let's start then with with Hector Bellerin. So we've, we've heard and, and we've been reading and we've been told and we understand that Arsenal have set a price tag uh, for Hector Bellerin. The club have said to have set a asking price of £20 million uh, for Hector Bellerin. And what I want to do is I want to ask you guys to just cast your minds back to a podcast. I think we probably did maybe a week, a week and a half ago now, where we were talking about how much we could realistically expect Arsenal to bring in uh, from player sales this summer. And I remember like a lot of people in the comments were, were saying to me, you've you've massively underestimated this. You've massively undervalued a load of our players. But as you know, as, as things are starting to take shape, as you know, the transfer window, uh, you know, nears its official opening, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera, what I think we're probably going to realise is actually those valuations were, were pretty much spot on because People do not have money right now. And we talk a lot about the impact of, of the COVID pandemic on Arsenal as a football club. We've talked a lot about the impact it's had on the Premier League and the impact that it might have on the wider market. But outside of the Premier League, where there is a, you know, there is a bigger reliance, I would say, on, on crowds, on merchandise, on, you know, making money during the games. Um you know, it's even worse. You know, no team in Italy, for example, has the huge TV revenue that the Premier League brings. Yeah, they do all right for themselves as well, but it's nowhere near on the same scale as what the Premier League clubs do. And if you look at the players that Arsenal are trying to move out, the majority of them, I would say, are more likely to join clubs overseas. And therefore, Arsenal are going to struggle to get top, top dollar for some of these players. Hector Bellerin, is is someone that you know we've looked at over the course of the last few months. I think it's been pretty clear and pretty apparent that he is heading 
towards, you know, uh, an Arsenal exit. And we heard that last summer he was heavily linked with a move for PSG. And I've already sort of let you guys know my thoughts on that. And the fact that actually with PSG supposedly now turning their attentions to Ashraf Hakimi at Inter, you know, they've been alerted to the fact that Inter need to raise funds. And they've, uh, you know, they've looked at Hakimi as, as someone that they could uh, cash in on. And PSG obviously have the money to do it. You you feel like that's the way PSG are going to lean. You feel as though they're going to lean towards Ashraf Hakimi. Yes, he'll be more expensive than Hector Bellerin, but he's a player with a much higher ceiling, I think. And he's a player who is, is worth a lot more than Hector Bellerin. So they'll look at that and they've got the money to do it and we'll feel why not. That's probably the best move. And where does that leave us with Hector Bellerin? Where there are very few clubs, I believe, right now that would be willing to pay, um, you know, in excess of £20 million for Hector Bellerin. The club he's being most heavily linked with is, of course, Atletico Madrid now. Atletico Madrid are said to be uh, looking to replace Kieran Trippier, who could be on his way back to the Premier League this summer. And Hector Bellerin is somebody that they've identified. He's somebody that their sporting director has actually been a big fan of. Uh, for a number of years. He's spoken repeatedly uh, about the fact that he likes Hector Bellerin. He likes the fact that he he can get forward quite effectively and enjoys uh, the fact that he's a bit of an all-rounder in terms of the fullback. He's not just the modern-day fullback in terms of only able to get forward. I don't really know what this guy's been watching, but according to him, Hector Bellerin is the all-round fullback. So he's clearly interested. And the only real other interest we've heard uh, with regards to Hector Bellerin, has also come from Spain, and that's in the shape of Real Betis, a club that Hector Bellerin does have, um, you know, ties with. His father was a huge uh, Real Betis supporter, and he has been quoted as saying in the past that he would like to play uh, for Real Betis someday. But Real Betis don't have the money. Real Betis cannot pay uh, £20 million, which is what Arsenal are said to be asking for, for Hector Bellerin. So that deal feels... A little bit unlikely now, you know, Hector Bellerin has kind of made it clear that he wants, well, he has made it clear to the club. He's not done it publicly, but he has made it clear to the club that that he wants out. And, you know, that's that's OK. I think as, as a fan base, we've kind of the majority of us have accepted that it probably is time for Hector Bellerin to move on. And so we'll, you know, we'll wish him the best and, and, and we look to move on from him. But Real Betis, who are a club that Bellerin, I believe, would be interested in joining, have only talked about a loan deal, um, maybe with an obligation to buy at the end of that. And that's just not going to cut it for Arsenal, because as we'll come on to talk about in a little bit, Arsenal are in desperate need of player sales this summer. That's the only way we're going to get any of the business that we want uh, done. So Bellerin linked with Atletico, linked with Real Betis. Atletico seems the more likely destination, having just won La Liga and with the possibility of them cashing in on Kieran Trippier, they would more likely have the funds uh, to persuade Arsenal that he should, that you know, that, that to, to persuade Arsenal to sell, to persuade Arsenal to let him go. But it's, it's not looking great, you know, because how, you know, that interest from Atletico Madrid is contingent on Atletico Madrid selling Kieran Trippier. So in order for that deal to go through, you need Kieran Trippier to find the club. You need a club to cough up what Atletico want for Kieran Trippier. You never need Kieran Trippier to agree terms with that club. And then you need Atletico to come and, and, and put that money down on Hector Bellerin and try and take him over there. So it's really, um, 
you know, it's not a given that Hector Bellerin will join Atletico Madrid. They're interested. Um, Arsenal have made their their price clear. Uh, but, you know, it's we're going to have to wait and see how this one uh, is going to go because I'm not 100% sure uh, that this is actually going to materialise. And if it doesn't, Arsenal are going to be stuck with Hector Bellerin because we're not going to be able to, uh, you know, to... Um, to, to shift him on for good money to just anyone and everyone. Um, Sanjay says, Harry, you do realise Betis just sold their right back Emerson for 50 million. They have money, bro. They haven't sold him for 50 million, Sanjay. Where on earth have you got that from? Emerson was part owned by Barcelona already. Emerson was, has, has gone to Barcelona for the £8 million fee that Barcelona had written in their contracts for them to take him off of Real Betis on a full agreement. So when the player came to Spain, he was part owned by Barcelona, part owned by Real Betis, and Barcelona had the option to, to sign him for a fee that was already written into the contract. And according to all the outlets at the moment, £8.1 million um, is what Barcelona have paid for Emerson to join them fully and to leave Real Betis. So, um, that's that's not that's not true. They haven't raised fifty million, and I don't even think they're gonna. Um, I think that some of you are saying in the chat, and I don't know this, but I think Real Betis might have already identified a replacement right back. So that's why I don't think the Real Betis talk is is serious. It never has been serious. They toyed with the idea, they thought about it, they considered it, but they were only ever willing uh, to take Hector Bellerin on loan, which is was just not going to cut it. And so Hector Bellerin is not. Betis bound. Atletico Madrid are our only hope at the moment, in my opinion. But again, I go back to that point. You know, I talked a lot about, you know, people kind of overestimating what clubs would pay for our players and, and getting themselves into this kind of false sense of security with regards to this transfer window where they've gone, well, we're going to sell Xhaka for 30 million. We're going to sell Lacazette for 30 million. We're going to sell Bellerin for 25 million. We're going to sell Willock for 20 million. We're going to sell Genduzzi for 15, Torreira for 10. None of that is going to come to fruition. And the problem here is that unless KSE are actually willing to invest money and, and, and say, here you go, we have to put this money in. We have to put this money down um, to get us back to where we're going to be. We're going to really struggle in this window. We talked about it yesterday. Why couldn't Arsenal get a deal for Emi Buendia uh, done? Partly because obviously they don't rate him enough to, to break the bank and sign him. Um, but, you know, the offer that we made to Aston Villa was made up of structured payments. And Aston Villa had the finance to go and say, you know what? Screw Arsenal's structured payments. We're going to table, at the, I think they tabled £30 million pounds of it um, up front. And their, their fee could potentially rise up to £40 million from what we read yesterday uh, based on add-ons, based on, you know, bits and pieces in the contract. But yeah, it's, um, you know, it, it's worrying because... I know I've been saying don't panic and I'm not panicking because there's still a long time to go in the window. But you, you're starting to look at this and you're starting to, you know, you've, we've heard it throughout the last few weeks. Arsenal are going to sign Bissouma, £30 million. Sander Berger, £30 million. The fact that we are in a position where we haven't been able to sell players yet, the fact that we're in a position where we're having to make deals 
or try and make deals that are involved with um that uh, sorry that consist of structured payments suggests that actually we do need to bloody sell contrary to what the club have been telling us and people are, are getting frustrated rightly so I, I'm still kind of in the headspace where I'm not going to lose my mind about it just yet because there is a long way to go. But the club are skint. The club itself, as an entity, is bloody skint. And unless KSE put money in and say, yes, we're going to do this or we're going to do that, like they keep promising they're going to do, then nothing's going to change. Not only have Arsenal just gone through an entire season without fans in the stadium during a global pandemic, We've had to pay off Mesut Ozil. We've had to pay off Shkodran Mustafi. All players that were on Champions League level wages. Right? That we've had, to, we've had to pay those guys off just to get them off the books. We're, you know, we haven't had that revenue coming in from the fans. Inevitably, the revenue that comes from merchandise and, and stuff bought in the stadium dips as well. And now we're going into our first season in 26 without European football financially this football club and and when i say this football club i don't mean kse i mean the football club as an a sole entity is on its fucking knees and unless the owners are going to show some love to the football club by putting their hands in their very wealthy pockets and saying we recognize that we've run this asset down into the ground we recognize that for arsenal to be competing at the top of english football again or even close to, you know, we're not asking for a title win straight away. <laughs> we're asking just to get back in the Champions League. We're asking for Arsenal to be in the top four clubs in the UK. But in order to get to that point, there needs to be investment. And, you know, people always bang on about Leicester City and they bang on about, you know, um, you know, some other clubs and they say, you know, that the recruitment has been excellent. Yeah, the recruitment has been good. Our recruitment's been bloody shocking. But after years of it being shocking, the only way you catch up quickly is to go and pump money in and to go out and buy top class proven players. And that's how you catch up. That's how you close the gap. It's the only way right now for Arsenal. You know, I'd like to see us make some signings, as I said, where, um, you know, we're kind of we're taking low risks that have the potential to, to bring high rewards. I talk about that a lot. And I think you do need some of that and you need some of that to balance the books, of course, and to be able to create assets that you can then sell in, in, in times of need, etc., cetera, et cetera. Um, But judging by what we've seen so far, you know, firstly with the Emi Buendia saga and now what we're hearing and reading and what we're understanding about the, inability of our club to get decent transfer fees in for for players that we're trying to move on it feels like the only way we're gonna we're gonna do that and we're gonna achieve that is if the the owners put their hands in their pockets and there there's no evidence given all their history with the football club that they're gonna do that this summer and that's the big concern it's the big worry you know you're, you're hearing about granite Xhaka now potentially going um you know, to Roma, and I'm not going to sit here and, and make a massive defence about Granite Xhaka again, because every time I do, you know, the comments just fill up with people calling me this, that and the other. But if you're going to sell Granite Xhaka, how much is it going to cost to replace him? If you're talking about Ruben Neves replacing him, you're talking about someone in excess of £30 million. 
So how the hell can you afford to sell the Swiss captain for 12.9 million pounds? That was Roma's latest offer, 15 million euros, 12.9 million pounds. You're just creating a deficit that you can't deal with. You're creating a deficit that you can't cope with. You sell someone for 12, 13 million pounds, and then you need 30 million pounds to replace him. There's, an eight, there's a 17 million pound deficit there. Where's that money going to come from? Where on earth is that money going to come from? You tell me. I don't know. It's not going to come from Stan Kroenke's pocket. That's for sure. Let's go over to the live chat box. Um, get your questions in. Get your thoughts in. Um, just to summarize the kind of latest news while, while you guys are getting your questions in the chat. Don't forget, put a cue at the beginning of them. It makes it easier. Um, for me to pick uh, to pick those out from the chat box in and amongst all the other stuff. Um, but just a quick roundup of, of the latest sort of news. Hector Bellerin um, is somebody that Arsenal are looking to move on. We already knew that, but we now understand that Arsenal have uh, informed Atletico Madrid of their asking price for the player, which is said to be £20 million. How close to that we will get. Uh, for Bellerin, I don't know, but it is clear that Bellerin wants to leave the club and it's also clear that Arsenal want to move him on. Um, Granit Xhaka is still the subject of uh, strong interest from Roma. And of course, uh, Roma have apparently tabled an offer of £12.9 million, pounds, 15 million euros. Um, an offer that Arsenal have rejected, by the way, but you know they're starting very, very low. They're going to have to come a long way uh, for it to be good value for Granit Xhaka. And this is the big problem here. How much is it going to cost for Arsenal to replace him? And, um, and uh, you know, are we going to be able to do that? I've, I've said it time and time again. Whenever I talk about Granit Xhaka, I've always said there are better players out there than Granit Xhaka. But what's it going to cost to replace Granit Xhaka? What's it going to cost to replace him, let alone upgrade him? So if you're going to sell him for 12, 13 million pounds, it's just not bloody good enough. Not good enough. Oh, I'd rather keep him, especially if the club don't have the money to go and make that upgrade or to go and find that replacement. This is the problem. Uh, Kunte Okonji says, uh, so are we putting all the blame on the Cronkies and turning a blind eye on Arteta? Who, who said that? Nobody said that. Um, nobody's turning a blind eye on the mistakes that Mikel Arteta's made. But my gripes with Mikel Arteta have largely been tactical, have largely been about game management and personal management, you know, the, the management of certain individuals. Not, not because of the, the transfer funds. That's not his remit. He doesn't have control over what Arsenal can and can't spend. He's told what he can and can't spend. So it'd be unfair to blame him for that. Um... Let's see what else we've got here. Uh, Guna for Life says, why are we the only fans who talk about transfers like accountants? Because we're the only club um, who have owned... Well, no, we're not the only ones that have owners that are a little bit tight and, uh, and, and unwilling to, to back the club. But I don't know, man. I always get conscious of, of kind of labelling our fans as one thing and looking at others and saying, well, these lot don't do that. Because I don't watch podcasts or listen to, to stuff um, with relation to other clubs anywhere near as often as I do with Arsenal. So it's, it's an unfair uh, judgment for me to make. I've got to be honest. Uh, right, let's pick up some of your questions. Uh, Zero says, uh, the problem I have with Arsenal's transfer policy is that they had six months to plan for it and it doesn't look like there is a direction to their transfers. As I said on, on a recent show though, mate, 
you can sit and you can plan a transfer window out on paper. But whether you're actually going to be able to execute what you've identified and execute the plan that you've drawn out is, is a completely different matter because, as I, as I keep saying, we're relying on selling players. And unfortunately, the offers that we've had or that we've rumoured to have or that we're hearing about for some of the players that we saw as uh, potential money makers, people that would raise significant funds for us then to go on and do our business are way below what most people expected them to be. And I think that if, I think a lot of people have, have miscalculated, a lot of people have undervalued or underestimated the damage that the pandemic has done. A lot of people have kind of been a little bit ignorant to the fact that it's very different in other countries, that it's worse in other countries, that the Serie A clubs, the La Liga clubs, the Bundesliga clubs, whereby they are, as I said earlier on, more reliant upon the match day revenue because their TV deals, yes, they're significant, but they're not astronomical like the Premier League ones. That that that's big, you know. And um, and, and I think it's it's very easy to plan a good window on paper. You know, we we did a show maybe a week and a half ago, as I mentioned before, where I listed all the players that I thought Arsenal might be willing to sell this summer and put prices next to them, and I was told that I undervalued them. I thought that my valuations were realistic and I think we're going to see over the course of the window that they probably will be realistic. Um, and I'm not blowing smoke up my own ass or blowing my own trumpet here, but I do think that in the eyes of a lot of people, Arsenal stood to make a lot more money this summer than they're actually going to. And, and that's going to be a big problem. Um, what else have we got here? Uh, let's pick out a few more questions. Just a quick reminder, by the way, if you haven't done so already, smash that like button. Let me just quickly uh, check where we are at. We've got over 200 of you watching us right now. And as I always say, likes are very, very important. Uh, so please do hit the like button if you haven't done so already. Just 49 likes. There's, a, there's over 200 of you watching, so we should at least be able to get to 100 likes. Come on, just hit the button. It really, really helps. Um, what else have we got here? And then I can see a few people having a go at each other in the chat. Guys, just cut that out. There's no need. Um, we're all here. We're all Arsenal fans. We want the same thing. We have different opinions. Um, but there's no need to to get onto each other's cases because you disagree with one another. Uh, Said Abdullah says, uh, do you see Arsenal signing a new striker? And are you with that? Or do you see other priorities? I, I think Arsenal have other priorities. Um, I said I'd have liked to see a striker come in if we were to allow one of our current ones to leave. But I think when you look at the goal returns from Alexander Lacazette and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, and I know Aubameyang had a disappointing season overall, but when you look at the fact that Lacazette scored a fair amount of goals, and Aubameyang did too, I think we got 15 goals uh, across the season, which was by no means disastrous. I think, you know, it's an area we could improve in, but I think it's kind of the least of our worries at the moment. The midfield and the fullback positions for me, are the big priorities this summer. So I'd probably pass on a striker unless uh, we were going to sell one of those guys. Uh, Majin says, do you think we'll get Besuma? Um, can't rule it out, but not not now. Um, as I've said, I think Arsenal's kind of need at the moment to do deals that are, uh, are, are involving structured payments limits who will do business with us, limits who will listen to us, limits who will, um, you know, be happy to come and sit around the negotiation table with us. And I think 
with someone like Yves Bissouma, whose stock is incredibly high right now. You know, the whole Premier League is talking about him. Liverpool have been linked. Manchester United have been linked. So the fact that Yves Bissouma's stock so high will make Brighton feel that they can demand the money up front and they can demand big money up front, even at a time like this. So if we are going to get Bissouma, it's dependent, I think, it's contingent on uh, on him uh, still being with Brighton maybe after the European Championships and Arsenal having done some sales to be able to raise that money to go and do it. But we've been told repeatedly, haven't we, by the likes of Fabrizio Romano that whilst he is on the list, he is not the club's priority midfielder. And I keep saying that it's a profile thing. Um, and it's probably why Ruben Neves is probably higher up on the list. But again, we're going to have to see if that deal uh, can get done either. Uh, Eddie Longbridge says, is it possible that KFC have already invested for this summer? but it's just not become public knowledge. I would say be excited. It's not impossible, but it's unlikely. Um, you know, if that was the case, they would have done that last year and, and, and then they didn't. You know, we had to wait till the last day of the transfer window to activate Thomas Partey's clause because we were desperate. So, uh, you know, f looking ahead and, and foresight is not really their speciality. So, it's not impossible, Eddie, but I'd be very, very surprised. Uh, Jasmine Singh says, Harry, would you take Trippier as somebody who could operate for us on the right-hand side? I wouldn't mind us giving Bellerin and then some for Trippier. I think Trippier's probably at a higher level right now than Bellerin. Um, Trippier's got a wonderful delivery as well. Really effective from set pieces. 30 years old, Kieran Trippier. Um, I wouldn't be dead against it, but it's not. I feel like with Arsenal right now, we kind of need to be building for the future um, and looking at moving forward. And, and Kieran Trippier doesn't really represent that for me. Um, doo -doo 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 -doo. This is a great point from Matt. He says, whether you think Arteta is the right man for the job or not is irrelevant at this point. He's going to be here next season. We need to accept that. Completely agree. Mikel Arteta will be the Arsenal manager next uh, for the, at least the start of next season. And now our focus should be on those above him and the need for them to back him and the need for them to support him and aid him in doing the job to the best of his ability. For him to do the job to the best of his ability, he needs better players. He needs players specific to the positions that, that you know, he wants. He needs players uh, that improve the squad and he needs players that will tactically fit into what he's trying to do. So the Arteta thing is is done for me. You know, we were all sort of wondering after that really bad run we had in the lead up to Christmas. I think after that, he went a long way in kind of convincing people that actually he could get something out of this team and that performances were going to improve. You know, the league form wasn't wasn't ever brilliant. It was good. It was better. You know, we, we had a decent last sort of 10 games to the season. Um, and then the Europa League thing was was the big kind of you know, the point that turned a lot of people off of Mikel Arteta again, uh, the nature of the defeat to Villarreal and the fact that we missed out on a potential route back into the Champions League. But yes, I was upset after the Villarreal thing. Um, and I've gone from really 100% backing Mikel Arteta to being in a place where I'm backing him because he is the manager, but I'm not completely convinced anymore. And I think that's fair based on what we saw over the course of last season. But as Matt says, Mikel Arteta will be in charge at the start of next season. So focus your energy, focus.
focus your anger, um, your frustrations at the people above Mikel Arteta now who need to back him. Because if they don't, then Mikel Arteta doesn't stand a chance. Um, Bradley Costello says, why hasn't the pandemic affected Aston Villa then? Bradley, have a look up uh, Aston Villa's owners. That's all. That's all. Um, have a look at Aston Villa's owners. Incredibly wealthy and willing to put money in. That's the difference. Um, people often overlook how wealthy Aston Villa are as a football club and the fact that their owners are uh, very proactive in comparison uh, to ours. Uh, let's see what else we've got here. Let me pick up. Uh, I think I'm going to take one or two uh, more questions. Uh, Michael Grayson says, should we be trying to win this year or building to win? That determines your transfer targets, in my opinion. Well, this is why managing a club like Arsenal is incredibly difficult and incredibly complex because you're expected to win whilst you're building or you're expected to maintain a standard whilst you're building. And that standard for Arsenal Football Club has to be Champions League qualification. I think we're all realistic enough to say that we don't expect Arsenal to go out and win the Premier League next year or the year after that, or maybe even the year after that. But what we want to see is Arsenal maintain that minimum standard at least whilst trying to build to get there. And right now, we don't look like we're building and we don't look like, and we're definitely not achieving those minimum standards. And that's why people are frustrated. So I think there's got to be a bit of balance in that, Michael. I think you've got to be able to balance building and achieving your minimum targets. And Arsenal, unfortunately, over the last couple of years, haven't done any of that. Uh, which is why, in my opinion, it's all been so disappointing. Uh, Omar says, uh, does the Buendia debacle show full-on Edu's incompetence in his job? No, it doesn't. Um, because, again, you know, when it comes to Edu, Edu is the guy who will have been involved in, in helping identify the player and then maybe in the negotiations, you know, that Richard Garlick is involved in that now as well. But again, ultimately, Edu can only work with the club's finances. And if the club's finances meant that the club were only able to do the deal in the way um, that we're led to believe they tried to, which was with, with installments, then Edu's hands are tied. I'm sure Edu would love more than anybody to go and, and flash his checkbook and say, here we go, there it is, done deal, let's do it but he is a slave to the financial situation of the club. And there's only one group of people um, responsible for that. And they're sitting over in the, in the States. They don't give a shit about our football club, not at all. And that is KSE. They are sitting there um, holding all the cards because sometimes, you know, you could take over a business, you could buy a business. So your business will inevitably have difficult times. Most businesses do unless you're willing to make that investment to get your business back to where it needs to be, then, then you can't be surprised when it's, when it's failing. And it, Arsenal as a business right now is failing as well as on the pitch, because we're not turning over the profits that we were turning over nowhere near it. Yes. The pandemic factors into that, but even prior to the pandemic, we weren't turning over the money that we had been in years gone by. Why? Because the club's gone stale because the rot is setting in and Arsenal are falling further and further behind everybody else. Um, and and this is a great, you know, Sam says, sounds like we would be in liquidation if Wenger didn't get CL football for 20 odd years. Liquidation, maybe not, but, you know, we would have been in a very difficult financial spot. 
you know, the, the banks only gave the loans that they did to the football club with regards to the stadium on the premise that Arsene Wenger signed because even they, when doing their risk assessments, recognised that this guy was working miracles in getting the team into the top four. Granted, at the time, it was probably a little bit easier because now you've got Manchester City, Manchester United, Chelsea, who are all financially more powerful than us. Spurs have closed the gap on us. Liverpool are back to, you know, being one of the best sides in the country, which they weren't for a long time. Um, so, yes, it's a harder task now, but Arsene Wenger still deserves immense credit for that. And he will never get credit for that because he was a victim of his own high standards. He set the bar so high, winning titles, winning cups, going to Champions League finals, going seasons unbeaten, that it got to the point where nobody was ever going to uh, ever accept anything less. Um, Inter says Wenger's half the reason we're in this mess now. No, he's not. Um, he's a little bit of the reason because he bought some bad players. Um, but v Wenger is also the reason that Arsenal are as big a football club as they are now and have the global appeal that they do now because Arsene Wenger took us to that point. So it's very, very harsh um, to say that Wenger is half of the reason why we're in this mess now. Wenger has a, a bit of a responsibility because, as I say, in recent seasons, the back end of his tenure, he signed average players for over-the-top money. Um, but this is not about Arsene Wenger. This is about the Cronkies. The guy was working with his hands behind his back and still achieving those minimum standards I was talking about. And actually what what the, the period post-Arsene Wenger has shown us is that actually you know, we're not any better off, are we? We've had two eighth place finishes since Arsene Wenger left. Two. An eighth place and what, a fifth? How is that any better than where we were before? It isn't. So there you go. Right. I am going to leave it there. Um, big thank you to everybody who has tuned in live. Just a quick reminder. Um, Main story is that Hector Bellerin's asking price has been set, allegedly anyway, uh, by Arsenal Football Club. And that is supposed to be £20 million. Atletico Madrid uh, hold an interest in Bellerin. But of course, as I say, it feels like that is very contingent on uh, whether or not they do move uh, Kieran Trippier on this summer, who's, of course, being linked with a move back to the Premier League. Granite Xhaka's, um, or the bid for Granite Xhaka, that we're, or the verbal offer, I don't know in, in what exact... Um, you know, what exact form that that bid came in or, or how it came in. But we understand that Arsenal have turned down a 15 million euro offer from Roma for Granite Xhaka. And uh, that is just simply not enough when you consider, as I keep saying, what it would cost to replace him. Just a quick reminder, if you haven't done so already, make sure you hit that like button. Um, let's get up to 150 likes by the time the outro plays. Uh, subscribe to the channel if you are new. It really, really helps as well. And we'd love to have you on board throughout the course of the transfer window. And a quick reminder that our Euro 2020 coverage begins this Thursday morning. Come and join me 8 a.m., live for a cup of coffee and a look ahead to the European Championships, which, which kick off on Friday. Uh, so we're still going to be bringing you all the Arsenal content that we do currently, but we're also going to be adding in another show uh, looking at the Euros, which I'm really, really excited about. It's something different. Uh, it gives you a chance to kind of turn away from Arsenal a little bit and enjoy some stress-free football. Uh, so really looking forward to that and hopefully the weather stays uh, as nice as it is today. Hit the like button, subscribe to the channel if you're new. We'll be back very, very soon with more. Until next time, ciao.
You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. 